Welcome to Books, Broads, and Booze. This is your host, Jamie. And I'm Monica. Hello, hello. Hello. So this month we are discussing the book, Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is one of my all-time favorite books. I love it so much. So uh, we have some discussion questions from the publisher for the book and then we'll do a little comparison with the movie which Monica just refreshed so yeah actually I had discovered I had never watched it it oh. I know I hadn't seen it and nothing was familiar oh yeah well, cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> so in the first question it says that Gilbert writes the appreciation of pleasure can be the anchor of humanity making the argument that America is an entertainment-seeking nation, not necessarily a pleasure-seeking one. Is this a fair assessment? Oh my gosh, I thought this was so spot-on about America. Um, and part of it, part of what I thought was funny was she had said something about, um, like, her family came from, like, English Puritans, those great goofy lovers of fun. <laughs> right, and right. So we all have this kind of culturally inherent guilt when we do anything that we, you know, it's like we have to earn time off. The only, because it's, you know, not good. It's right. sinful or whatever. You should, be, you should be productive. You should be working. Right. Why are you taking time? time for pleasure that's silly yeah and it's probably why most people are completely and totally burnt out oh yeah mm -hmm. i agree yeah spot on okay let me see if i can get this ah here we go <clears throat> sorry listeners i'm older so i have to orientate my phone to be able to read <laughs> <laughs> i know when i found out i could enlarge the font on mine it was life-changing yeah <laughs> After imagining a petition to God for divorce, an exhausted Gilbert answers her phone to news that her husband has finally signed. During a moment of quietude before a Roman fountain, she opens her Louis Gluck collection to a verse about a fountain, one reminiscent of the Balinese medicine man's drawing. After struggling to master a 182-verse daily prayer, she succeeds by focusing on her nephew, who suddenly is free from nightmares. Do these incidents of fortuitous timing signal fate, cosmic unity, or coincidence? Okay, so I'm going to whip out my little mystic hat here. <laughs> because those are like completely classic examples of synchronicity. And I think once you start paying attention to the synchronicities that happen in your life, your life starts to feel much more magical. Is it magical? Is it the universe responding to her petition for a divorce? Is it coincidence? I don't know, but it's pretty cool when it happens. And it can, like, revitalize you a little bit and make you feel like... I think human beings need to feel like... Like things... Like, like there is magic. Like, things were meant to be. I think we like this idea of you know, destiny without giving up our free will, of course. <laughs> I think there needs to be both. But, um, yeah, I thought that was a perfect example of synchronicity, and I think it's very, very important. So I'm much more cynical, and uh, I'm more like the things that you pay attention to are the things that you see. 
there is that. <laughs> but I'm all about putting out good vibes. Well, yeah. I mean, and I guess when something like that happens, when something good and magical happens, if that causes you to pay more attention to good and magical things, like... I'm not, I'm not about the destination. It's about what happens. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> right, right. So question three from the publisher. Gilbert hashes out internal debates in a notebook, a place where she can argue with her inner demons and remind herself about the constant consistency of self-love. Sorry about that. When an inner monologue becomes a literal conversation between divide itself is this a sign of last resort or of self-reliance i argue with myself all the time and i i am definitely one about writing things down i find that very therapeutic and a good way to work through things yeah i would definitely agree with you and i think it's i if i do it i'm i tend to throw things away so that's also sort of symbolic. Like if you're going through something and you write it all down and you kind of work it all out and then you burn it or throw it away and kind of release it a little bit <laughs> because I don't like to go back and read things that I've written. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a totally good way to deal with some inner conflict. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to judge anybody's way of, of dealing with it. So if that's what works for her, yay. Yeah, for sure. So, <clears throat> number four. When Gilbert finally returns to Bali and seeks out the medicine man who foretold her return to study with him, he doesn't recognize her. Despite her despair, she persists in her attempt to spark his memory, eventually succeeding. How much does the success of Gilbert's journey do you attribute to her? persistence oh i didn't see where that question was going because i totally forgot you sent them to me um <laughs> i mean i think that that's kind of what she does through the whole book is she goes from resignation to persistence really and learns how to shape her own life how she wants to see it instead of just like falling through her life wherever her life led her. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. yeah, I think for sure persistence is super important for her whole trip. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, she she definitely makes up her mind about things and then makes out a goal and goes for it. Even just learning Italian. I mean, you have to have a certain right. level of persistence to stick with a language, especially as an adult. <laughs> yeah, and she was like, I'm not doing these classes anymore. They're not helping me. <laughs> Uh, oh, so we're not actually having any booze today um, because it's early afternoon and we're, we decide not to day drink. Yes. <laughs> so you want to talk about our beverage? Yes, it comes from our local tea shop that we love so much, Apotheca Tea, which is so cool. And this is, if I'm not mistaken, the um, cinnamon spice iced tea. Excellent. I, lo it's, I love cinnamon, clove, all those kind of flavors, and that's what it tastes like. I brewed it cold brew, too, so there's these fancy little um, containers that they sell at the store where you put in the tea leaves and you add in cold water. You put it in the fridge overnight, so then it doesn't have as much of a bitter profile, so it's a lot smoother. It's excellent. So, 
Highly recommend. Yes. They have a website, apothecatees.com. <laughs> Buy all their things. It's very worth it. We are not, they are not a paid sponsor. We no. are just obsessed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Prayer and meditation are both things that can be learned and importantly improved. In India, Gilbert learns a stoic, uh, aesthetic meditation technique. In Valley, she learns an approach based on smiling. Do you think the two can be synergistic or is, oh, I have no idea how to say this. Ketu Lair, right, when he describes them as same-same. Yes, they are same-same. Um, any way that you can meditate is the perfect way to meditate. I know people who consider their meditation their jog or bicycle ride, like my sister who cannot sit still. You know, I know lots of people who listen to guided meditations. Um, some people who meditate while, like, walking in, in a certain path or rhythm or whatever. I mean, meditation, any way that you can do it and try and clear your mind, notice the emphasis on try because it's impossible. Right. <laughs> it's more, I guess it's not clear your mind. I guess it's more observe your mind to remove yourself from the dialogue and the drama that's constantly running in the background. Like any way you can do it, even if it's just sitting and smiling, even in your liver is perfect. <laughs> I love Zumba, and if I try to think, and, I, and I'm, like, not present where I am, I totally, like, messed up, and I'm, like, stumbling into people and stuff like that. So, like, Zumba is definitely one of those meditations where, like, I have to just be present with where I am, looking at who I'm looking at, and doing what they're doing, and just, it, it is. It's, it's a really let calming. go. Yeah. It's a, Yeah that freeing of your mind I mean you got and I think that's kind of like what the point of that part of the book was it's almost like you know if you try something and it doesn't work for you try something else mm -hmm. that it's important mm -hmm. yeah keep going exactly persistence again persistence, <laughs> number six gender roles come up repeatedly in eat pray love be it macho Italian men eating cream puffs after a home team's soccer loss, or young Indians disdain for the marriage she will be expected to embark on upon an age of 18, or the Balinese healer's sly approach to male impotence in a society where women are assumed responsible for their childlessness. How relevant is Gilbert's gender? Hmm, that's an interesting question, and all of those stories in the book were really amazing. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I feel like she's an outside observer for most of this. So I don't think that her gender really had a lot of to deal with the gender roles that were coming up in, in the stories about those. Like she is definitely like questioning them and, you know, she confronts people about certain things, but I don't think that it would have mattered like what gender it was told from. Yeah, I think I could agree with you there. And I think it's important um, in her observation of these gender roles, maybe that she at the beginning kind of rejected like the standard, you know, get oh. married, buy a house, have a baby yeah. gender role. Yeah. So Right, that's at the, at the very beginning, you know, yeah. why she's going through this crisis is that she's like, I did everything I'm supposed to do and I'm miserable. 
You know, and I think that's, that first part of the story was key to why I loved it so much. There's this quote, and I say it all the time. And she says, the only thing more unthinkable than leaving was staying. The only thing more impossible than staying was leaving. And so the first time I read this book, I was in that dark night of the soul crying on the bathroom floor phase. And it just like snapped me to attention. So now reading it like more than 10 years later, after I am in a much better calm place and I've learned a lot of these lessons that were in the book. I mean, I haven't touched the book since then. So it was so cool to read it from that other perspective. So anyways, I don't know how I got there from where we were, but there we are. <laughs> oh, very good. I like, I like it. I like it. Number seven, in what ways is spiritual success similar to other forms of success? How is it different? Can they be so fundamentally different that they're not comparable? I feel like this is a, a not comparable. Was she talking? Um, are they, is the question about like the guru or just about your own personal spiritual success? I think it, it, it's like your own personal, like, I don't think you can really even measure that. Like, how is it? Whoa. I think that's truly a Western question. Yeah. <laughs> How's that even a measurable thing? Like, oh, yes, I'm very spiritually successful. <laughs> that sounds stupid. That's no. kind of an oxymoron. <laughs> that's like the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. Right, like, oh, look at that guy. He's really got his spiritual success going. No, yeah. no. Boot that question out. Boo, boo. <laughs> Next. Number eight. Do you think people are more open to new experiences when they travel and why? Totally. I think so. I think you have to be, especially if you're like us, you get lost so easily. <laughs> oh my gosh. 1000%. And I couldn't help but think about when, when Elizabeth's sister came to see her in Rome and, um, and I liked the, the different ways that they traveled and experienced new things like where the sister like studied all this stuff and she had a plan and she knew maps and stuff and Elizabeth Gilbert does it more like I do where she just sort of stumbles out her door and is like wow where am I <laughs> I felt like that was a combination of both of them like I try I really try but I get lost and then it's just sort of like yeah this is where we're at <laughs> number nine Absence in Italy seems extreme, but necessary for a woman who has repeatedly moved from one man's arms to another. After all, it's only after Gilbert has found herself that she can share herself fully in love. What does this say about her earlier relationships? <clears throat> now, my advice for this is never, ever get in a relationship with Elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> They don't no. end well. They don't end well. <laughs> but she's so wonderful. She had to be in those relationships to earn, learn all those lessons. And I'm sure those people had to learn their lessons too. <laughs> Actually, I really related to her relationship style where she said she would just sort of dive into a relationship and like just be like, like in the movie where it said, oh, you used to look like you're husband and now you look like your boyfriend kind of thing and like I can totally relate to that and so having that strength to be yourself in a relationship 
I do think you really need to take some time away from relationships. Yeah. Which is hard for a lot of people. Right. I mean, that She feeling... doesn't last as long as she intends to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some people definitely have a harder time being by themselves than other yeah. people do. Yep. <clears throat> so, her earlier relationships, train wreck. <laughs> I think that's why I found her so relatable. <laughs> I do. I love her. And I love that many of my favorite authors love her, so that yeah. makes it that makes it even great. <laughs> Gilbert mentions her ease at making friends, regardless of where she is. At one point in the ashram, she realizes that she is too sociable and decides to embark on a period of silence to become <laughs> the quiet girl in the back of the temple. Is it just after making this decision that she's assigned the role of ashram key hostess? What does it say about honing one's nature rather than trying to escape it? Do you think perceived faults can be transformed into strengths rather than merely repressed? Oh my gosh. This, I'm so excited about this question because um, a lot of people, a lot of times when people go into spirituality, they have this idea of themselves as like, I can totally relate. I'm very chatty and I love to talk. And sometimes when I'm done talking with people, I'm like, God, did I even let them talk? <laughs> And so I, I do want to be that etheric, you know, mystical, oh, look at her. She's so quiet and spiritual, you know. But um, one of the things that she says in the book is that God is expressing himself it, through you as you. Like you, you're supposed to embrace your you-ness and who you are. And if you are chatty and you end up being the little Miss Susie Cream Cheese of the ashram, think of all <laughs> the great things you've done for all those people who needed someone to be that person for her, right? Right. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's a super exciting question because I think a lot of people get this idea of they have to be a certain way to be a spiritual person. And I don't think it's true. No, and I and I I totally agree, and I think that uh, it was very um, perceptive to say that you know it's not a fault. This is a strength, and you're not looking at it in the right way. Because we're so used to being critical of ourselves and judging ourselves that it, you know, yeah, that is a really good way to look at it. That most people wouldn't occur to most people. So that yeah. reframing, yes. You're a master reframer. I am a master. I am. I have had a lot of therapy. A lot. I'm probably not done, but I'm taking a break for now. Yeah. Okay. Our last book discussion question. Sitting in an outdoor cafe in Rome, Gilbert's friend declares that every city and every person has a word. Rome's is sex. The Vatican's power. Gilbert declares New York's to be achieved but only later stumbles upon her own word. Attraversiamo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the Italian word. Let's cross over. <laughs> Sanskrit for one who lives at the border. This is... Oh, a, that a, was ante, the... Ante Vazen. Oh, okay. I thought that was the Italian that word. Was, that was her word. Oh, okay. That was her word for herself. But yeah. she said for New York it has. It's like, what's your word? Is it possible to choose a word that retains its truth for a lifetime? My word is curious. Like, I'm just that curious. It's funny that you said that because when I was trying to think of my word, the only word that I came up with was seeker. But I don't know. That's a tough question. And I don't think I'm ready to, like, like bet on that word as being mine right now. It is for the moment, maybe. Maybe 
for everyone. We always have a different word depending on what we're focused on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say that my my curiosity has been there for most of my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, I've always asked a lot of questions. In fact, in school I would get like, oh, I have a question in the class or growing. Oh, <laughs> I was that person. I'm like... But because but I have of questions, but because of your curiosity, I have like read so many books that I never would have read if it, you know, your inspirational curiosity, I think. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So <clears throat> my favorite part of the book was uh, the Balinese medicine woman. And um, I absolutely loved her. She cracked me up. She was hilarious. I will never think of banana juice. <laughs> In, you know, a, in a in a non in a food way ever again, I'm just like wow. <laughs> she was funny, and it mentioned it in the earlier question, and I don't know if people caught it where their her unorthodox cure for fertility when it's the male's problem was the women would come into the office and she would bring in like the young taxi cab drivers. <laughs> well, they they uh they pulled carts. Like, oh. so they were like very physically fit and mm. young and, you know, good looking. They're like, yeah, <laughs> come on over. I'll fix it. You we know, just gotta keep trying. My favorite part was Richard from Texas. Oh. I loved that friendship. And, um, I really, after I read this, I really wanted to go to an ashram for months. I no longer want to do that. <laughs> Because I'm too old and it's too hot. And, like, I don't think that's necessary for me. Yeah. Yeah. I I liked Richard a lot more after I watched the movie. See, I didn't like him as much in the movie. I felt like their relationship was... They did not portray the relationship the way it was in the book. It was too, like, antagonistic a little bit. Or, like... Yeah, yeah. Like, they definitely get closer in the book. I think like, he just seemed like a stereotype to me in the book. Oh. And then when I saw a face, it made him more of a person for me. I see that. So. Yeah. Uh, I oh, There are some things about the movie, though, that just made me so frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hate the movie for what it was. Uh-huh. It was pretty good, and if if somebody watched it who maybe inspired them to read the book, I think that would be great. Um, I'm okay with Julia, Julia Roberts. I like her, and I like most of the stuff she's in, and I thought she did a good job. I just felt like the book was so profound to me that it was impossible to translate to a movie. Mm, I can mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. yeah. I thought the book was definitely a lot better than the movie. I would recommend the the book over the movie, which I mean, like that's ninety nine percent of my recommendations. Right. I know. I know you were unhappy that she ended up in a relationship at the end. You were like, "Damn it!" I know. I was like, "You said a year of absence, and here you are, hooked up with some guy." Oh my god! Right? Like, what? What we decided that this is what we were gonna do, and we're not on the same path anymore. I'm like, I'm not okay with this, Liz. Like, what the hell? And see, I'm more like Liz, where I'm like, yeah, I said that. It was true then. I changed. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> my my rules are a lot more mutable. <laughs> Oh, shoot. 
that's hilarious. Yeah. I thought I thought uh the the bits of them in Bali in the movie were nice though. Yeah. It, it was nice cuz I don't really know much about that part of the world, so being able to like visually see it, I thought, "Oh, this is kind of cool cuz I didn't really know a whole lot about." Yeah, I know, didn't either. Southeast I mean, I, it's a big Asia. it's a big tourist place for like spiritual people. So I'm sure there's a lot of I'm sure it's commercialized quite a bit, you know, but yeah. it did, but it is a beautiful part of the world from what I hear. Oh my gosh. And, uh, the, the whole real estate thing that went on in the book. Yeah. Fascinating. I was like, Oh, this is so interesting. Tell me more. Yeah. The medicine <laughs> woman was really great. Her character was very vibrant and I really liked that part. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed her. Yeah. Especially when she was like, oh, yeah, I'm divorced. I know. <laughs> and, that, and they said in Bali, it's like, where are you going? Where are you coming from? And are you married? And right. and if you're not married, you should, the proper response is not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> oh, and the ceremonies with the little kids, like where um, the kids don't touch the earth until their first birthday. Or yeah. six months or something like that. I can't remember which one it was. A I was long it time. Was a, year, a long time to not like, put a baby on the floor. Yeah. And yeah. um and that if anything un you know, God forbid we're supposed to, would happen to a baby and they passed away before that time where they touched the earth, it's like they weren't even human. They were still like godlike or right, angels right. or whatever. Yeah. It was just really, really neat. Yeah. My yeah. my uh my idea was like, wow. They're really into a lot of superstition. I'm like, this is kind of creepy. <laughs> well, like in the movie where she's, um, where Katut is um, treating the little baby who's crying and um, they say, oh yeah, she has demons. And, and Elizabeth Gilbert says, it looks like she's teething. And the lady says, oh, same thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, it is right. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We yeah. can deal with this. We know what to do. We yeah. can get rid of these demons. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, any parting words before we go? I mean, I think I've gushed enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I mean, I just think um, when you're going through something and you see someone and read something that makes you feel seen, you know, and I think a lot of that's why it's so popular is I think a lot of people can see themselves in these things that happen that because, but that we don't really want to talk about. We're ashamed to talk about. We feel like we're not good enough, blah, blah, blah. And she says a lot of things that people don't want to admit to themselves, I think. And so I think it's worth a read, especially if you're struggling or if you've been through struggles. I, w I would say that I totally understand why she gained that 20 pounds in oh. the first third of the book. And I was so hungry the entire time. <laughs> we did I not spend like, nearly enough time on the pasta and pizza. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, woman, you are, you're, you are not good for my health. That's all I have to say. I'm finding this very disturbing. I'm like, I need you to start starving. Let's move to India. Okay, come on. Vegetarian <laughs> and yoga. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. I feel a little, like, uh, super jealous that she was able to go on this when, you know, that happened to her. When this happened to me, I was, like, destitute. Oh, you know <laughs> what? Kids. That is a huge point, and that is something that I definitely wanted to bring up. When I read it, um, I was very jealous of her freedom to be able to do it because I had kids also. 
and single mom and struggling with money and that sort of thing. So, yeah. so yeah, I was very jealous also. Uh, not, je I mean, not jealous. What is that? It's like, I, we couldn't do that even if we wanted to really. Right. Right. So yeah, that's a very, very good point. But I felt like I lived a little vicariously through her in the book. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm definitely going to Rome one day, and I'm going to eat all of the food. <laughs> <laughs> India, probably not. I mean, uh, I've seen a lot of pictures. It's very dirty. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to go to an ashram since it's not, like, in the city. They're usually more, like, out in the country and stuff. At least the one that she went to was. But it's too dang hot. Like, I can't oh, live like that clean it every day i'm like what sort of place needs cleaned every day like you have to sweep the floor every day i'm like oh my gosh so dirty yeah so dirty i'm like well it's because they don't have any windows everything's just open it's <laughs> <laughs> a good point <laughs> i'm gonna say pass strong pass yes well thank you everyone for listening yes thanks for listening to me gush <laughs> and we will see you next month bye bye